Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode three of the four-part podcast series called David Pays My Rent. Hello, renters. <laughs> At this point, if you don't know what's going on, I encourage you to click pause right now, go to davidpaysmyrent.com, and do a little light reading about what brings us here today. Top line, I'm making a podcast in exchange for my rent to be paid by my brother-in-law, David. It's a bet I don't think he realized he made, but I'm sure he's regretting it about now. Because you see, David made this bet in 2016, when he was a bright-eyed newlywed to my sister and had nothing but exciting things ahead. Five years later, he is a father, a mortgage holder, and all around less enthused by my troll-like antics. But that's not going to stop me, never has. You see, I exist in relentless pursuit of my next joke, and this here podcast is that prime target. David Pays My Rent is about what it's like to rent an apartment and the collective trauma that our generation experiences in relation to our inherently temporary living arrangements. Today's episode is the second part of our exploration on landlords. To catch you up on what you may have missed, Although, you should really go back and take a listen to episode 2 for the full story. And while you're at it, maybe check out episode 1 if you haven't done that yet either. I think it's the funniest one. (laughs) But anyway, so last week on episode 2, you heard the first half of the story of my two friends who moved into an apartment that was too good to be true. The other shoe dropped when it turned out that their landlord was an evil cross between Roz from Monsters, Inc. and Jabba the Hutt. Between charging them for an illegal parking space, refusing to fix a broken washing machine that flooded the house with a foot of water, and ignoring complaints of mold in the basement, Julia and Joni and their roommates, Taylor and Matt, decided that it was time to leave this apartment. Rightfully so, if you ask me. But to do that, they were going to have to endure a journey through the Philadelphia small claims court system and a slew of threatening, typewritten letters on their doorstep. The saga continues today. Welcome to part two of Landlords on David Pays My Rent. It's Nancy! You got the Nancy out with your favorite host. She's the one with the greatest most. Oh, it's Nancy! Oh yeah, it's Nancy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just a quick aside, my theme music is amazing, and yes, sung by David himself. (laughs) I like to listen to it and think that I'm in a movie about my own life. David is a man of many talents and ill-advised bets. So on to the main event. Before we dive in, I realized that I forgot to set the scene in which I conducted this interview on the last episode. I've gotten some feedback reminding me that podcasts are an audio-only medium, and that I need to do a better job of painting the scene for my listeners. So you are in luck because I found this snippet that should give you a full sense of how this interview went down. (laughs) I would just like to give a vision to everyone right now. Julia is like fully erect, like ready to go. And Joni, (laughs) she's sitting up, sitting erect. She's not. (laughs) Got a big old boner. Really is. Is fully wow. erect, just, and it's kind of hot. Yeah. And Joni is 
not flaccid <laughs> <laughs> with her shirt pulled up and just rubbing her tummy. Yeah. Who doesn't love a tummy rub? <laughs> That's gross. I can't believe I just said that. Okay. Ignore me. A bit of a refresher of what you missed out on last time. <laughs> I gave a bit of a rundown up top, but I'll add a little bit of color. Julia and Joni lived in a classic Philly row house with two other roommates. They knew going into it that it wasn't the fanciest apartment of all time, but they were in no way prepared for the extent of disrepair that was the reality of the house's condition. Everything was wrong with this piece of property. From the broken appliances, to the questionable mold, to the illegal fourth bedroom that was actually a garage, and don't forget the illegal parking spot that was costing them an additional $200 a month. On top of everything that was physically wrong with the apartment. Their landlord, Louise, was a nightmare to deal with. She didn't own a computer, making it very difficult to contact her. And her only method of communication was typewritten letters riddled with offensive language and thinly veiled threats. It was a confluence of bullshit, and it left our protagonist with only one option, to get the hell out of there. I think Julia sums it up best. It was causing everyone so much stress. Like, it was clear that she was no longer going to, she was not going to be okay with us withholding that rent. Like, she was now going to be, like, an antagonist the entire time we lived there. So it, it did become this question of, like, how do we leave? We, I think the next action came from her, which was when we were mutually sued and evicted by her in the same week. Yeah. And so then it became a question of, like, okay, like... We're going to go to court with this woman. I, for one, have never had the distinct pleasure of getting evicted or sued, let alone both in the same week. But from having experienced this entire story from just two doors down, I can assure you listeners that it was far from a walk in the park. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll move on to Julia and Joni's counterattack. This episode of David Pays My Rent is brought to you by Maersk the world's largest container shipping company. We move more than cargo. Visit www.mearsline.com. That's www.m as in moo, a as in apple, e as in elephant, r as in rrr, s as in snake snake, k as in kangaroo, line.com slash David and enter the code DAVIDPAYS for 15% off your next large-scale international freight shipment of any type of unprocessed ore. Maersk, we move more than cargo. Welcome back, renters, to David Pays My Rent. So you're about to go to court with your landlord, who's been sued by all of her tenants going back to the 1980s. This isn't her first rodeo, but it sure as hell is yours. So not wanting to get caught off guard, the residents of the Randolph Court spring into action to build their case against Louise. They figured that their best argument was the negligent repairs of the washing machine, so they started there. As a quick recap, we know from last time that the broken washing machine left the bottom two floors of the house submerged in almost a foot of water each. With Louise being impossible to get a hold of at the time, the roommates sought out and paid for the repairs on their own. After extensive research, they found an economical option, documented the details of their search, and sent that information to Louise, along with their next rent check, less the amount of repairs. 
By the way, are you impressed that I just use less the way accountants do? Business school is really changing me. I am learning so much. Accounting can suck it. So Louise clearly does not take kindly to being paid less than what she expects. But the issue is about to get worse because the water damage left behind some mold. To make sure that they had fully covered their tracks, Joni and Julia called licensing and inspection to take a look and determine the severity of the problem. Luckily, L&I's visit didn't turn up any concerning results regarding mold. It did, however, make known a glaring issue that would have the tenants and Louise shaking in their boots. The fourth bedroom. We'll get to this after the break. The views expressed on this podcast are that of the host and the guest, no one else. Maersk is not responsible for any content expressed on this podcast. So the problem of the fourth roommate, not the washing machine debacle, quickly becomes the focal point of the legal proceedings. All of the units in the Randolph court were three bedrooms, but as we discussed in relation to the parking spot, Joni and Julia's apartment had converted the garage into a fourth bedroom. The unit was listed on Craigslist as four bedrooms, and both George, fuck him, and Louise were made fully aware that there would be four occupants. But, and this is a big but, the lease only had three signatories, Joni, Julia, and Taylor. Their fourth roommate, Matt, while known to both the landlord and the property manager, was technically not on the lease. When Elle and I caught the illegal fourth bedroom, they rang the alarm bells all the way back to Louise, which got her wheels spinning. She decided to go on the offensive and send a scathing letter to our fair Randolph courtesans. This is notice your rent for December 2015 has not been received as of this date. Please refer to your lease for my remedies that will be coming forthwith. If all monies are due not paid within five days. A late fee is due with this rental of 10% or $270 for December. The water damage in the utility room is your expense. The plumber found the drain to be clogged. He had to open the wall, clean the drain, remove the water on the floor, come back to close the hole in the wall, semicolon, drywall. His total fees have not yet been totaled in as much as he had to come back a few times to complete the job. Your Fast Pro Restoration Incorporated, the company Taylor found, Bill, of July 27, 2015, of $1,025, has been deducted from my rent without my permission. Thus, there is a late fee for August, September, October, November rent as well, 10% of 2700 rent or $270 for each of those four months equaling $1,080. I did not authorize you, you to make repairs to my building. Perhaps you were overcharged for the work done, semicolon, but they were your choice. Please read your lease again so we do not have any more issues. Fortunately, the water leak was in the basement utility room, did not negatively affect the sleeping areas, semicolon, three fights of stairs above this house with seven floors. The drain was clogged five feet above. Sounds, sorry. This house is seven floors. It's like a nursery rhyme. Um, The drain was clogged five feet above the floor. After your repairs were made, you complained to license and inspection. There was mold in the utility room. Fast Pro Restoration Inc., who hired you hired to clean up the water, was responsible for any mold they left behind, not me. Fortunately, license and inspection did not find any mold on the premises. License and inspection did find too many unrelated people living in this house. Unrelated. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the brothel laws yeah. of Philadelphia. Without my permission, you moved in another tenant. 
False. False. Thus, the violation. The tenant has been residing in this house for three months. Each of you pay $900 per month rent. Adjusted. Three times $900 equals $2,700 per month. This extra, comma, illegal occupant, comma, owes $900 per month for his residency as well. Three times $900 equals $2,700 owed for his occupancy. So then there's a long list of, a long list of things. But her logic that... He was illegal, but because he'd been living there, as if we were paying, like, you per capita. Added supplemental rent. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you could see what the letter looks like, because it is straight out of a serial killer 101 textbook. Annotations in the margins, crinkled paper, and grease stains on the corner. But I digress. So seeing that Louise was gearing up for a fight, our heroes started doing their research. We had at this point talked to a couple of like family friend lawyers um, mm-hmm. who honestly like both warned us that like we were about to get into a battle that was typically stacked towards landlords mm-hmm. in Philadelphia just based on like all of the legal codes um, around housing there. And we could tell by now by like what we'd researched about Louise and how she had handled all this stuff that like she was no novice. She'd done this before, so, like, she would know her shit, and we, like, needed to be ready for it if we were going to, like, take her to court and, like, mm-hmm. expect to get out without having to, like, pay at least through the rest of the rent. Um, so that sucked. The lawyers had also said, like, if you're reading the lease, the lease is going, is, like, you guys would lose according to the lease because mm-hmm. her lease was nuts. There were multiple things in there that, that really made it mm-hmm. clear in terms of the contract, that that fourth roommate was illegal. Yeah. So we really had to get it in doc, like documented that it was listed as a mm-hmm. fourth. Like we had some email communication with George about like letting in the fourth roommate. Remember George, the man Joni described as a fuckwit, a term that I have never heard before, but plan on using in abundance from here on out. Well, George is about to come back into the picture in a big way. I think it was also around this time as we started to, like, strap up to get ready for, like, court that we'd reached back out to George Doerr to, like, get some evidence of the posting that we saw and, like, tried. And he was also, he was being very elusive and we didn't Mm -hmm. know what he knew and how involved he was. Mm -hmm. And so we were reaching out to him and saying, like, you listed this, like, we had the original listing, can we, can you just confirm, you know, like, we were just trying to, like, get all the details from him that we could about this illegal, the fact that it wasn't an illegal fourth roommate. Mm -hmm. Ugh, come on, George. Why do you have to be like that? Well, I hate to get us all riled up with that much anger, but to soothe yourself, here is another message from our sponsor, Maersk. This podcast is brought to you by Maersk. You can't ship anything small. It has to be really, really big. All right, just going to breeze past that one. So after the visit from L&I and the intense documentation process, Louise started to catch on that this group of roommates wasn't like her usual disenfranchised tenants. She wasn't going to be able to hide behind the confusing red tape of the court system, and she certainly wasn't going to be able to take advantage of their ignorance. We knew that she was sort of at this point like um, threatened by how much we had taken into our own hands because I think she wasn't like Mm -hmm. used to that and she was used to taking advantage of tenants and them not doing anything so Mm -hmm. that put her more on the offensive and it really like we were like she's capable of a lot of shit 
Joni, Julia, Taylor, and Matt were not taking any risk this time. They wanted out. And they wanted Louise out of their lives for good. I'm going to let Joni and Julia recount the details of being in the room where it happens, primarily because I wasn't there, but also because I think you've heard enough of me by now. I know I have. So the fateful day came. The fateful day came. We hadn't seen Louise in a while because once, like, we were, once it became enemy territory, like the, you know, 20 feet between our house and hers, um, we only, I don't know, she must have come under the cover of night because we got so many of these handwritten notes, but we didn't see her until that day on, it must have been early December, that we went (laughs) to um, the court of law in Philadelphia. It was November. I remember it was November. Mid-November. Mid-November. Blustery day. Yeah. So we were our own representation. Um, I would say that's generous. I would say Joni was our representation. Um, And we thought that we were going to have to, you know, discuss this and fight it in front of a judge. Mm -hmm. Um, If she showed up at all. Yes, if she showed up at all. Which I think we were all like, oh my God, is she not going to show up? Like, the, the minutes were going by. We had an appointment, I think. Like, didn't we have, like, a time that we Yeah, you basically have your slot. Yeah. And I think the judge is the, the, like, main receptionist basically judge. Like, his goal is to have nobody go to actual court. So right. that's, like, he wants to send people to mediation rooms. Right. But we so didn't know if she was going to show up or her lawyer, who yeah. we've now been corresponding with. Who, important note, note, the previous year was named the best minority lawyer yeah, in Philadelphia. lawyer, which I think helped us Become later. significant lawyer. Yeah. So... We were all kind of like, oh my gosh, maybe she, like she, Louise was nowhere to be seen and we were in this room full of people like getting ready to be called. We're like, oh my gosh, if she, because if she didn't show up, I think we would have like won by default. And so we're like, oh my gosh, she's not even going to show up. We, yes, yes, yes. And then I think it was probably two minutes before she slinks in with her giant cane and just like Ross is in, just like and I'm she sorry, was there. Like, Jabba with the Hutt, right and <laughs> at her side was her lawyer yes. and George Door. <laughs> with his delivery, with, with his. Honestly, I feel like I could see the tail between his legs. Between his pleated khaki oh, legs, because he had. We had reached out to him. He knew. That he had the details that were important mm-hmm. for our case, that he had been the one that had put in writing, had put in the listing that this was a four-bedroom, had talked to us and verbally said, like, all good, all good, yeah, it's four people, yeah, yeah, well, you know, okay. So he wouldn't look at us in the eye. Like, I think I think maybe for a second he tried to do, like, a hi, like, across the room. And we were and not we were having not that having shit. it, and he was, he was, you know, tail between his legs, ashamed, as he should have been. But, you know, who had him on a tight leash... Louise. So she really did. She it was like really a really did. It was kind of like a creepy dom. It was a creepy dom sub relationship. Bro, she's so old. Ugh. Jabba, and I don't know who like Jabba's like. Maybe that woman. In, Maybe in it's Star it's Wars that's, like Carrie Fisher hair. And, no, like, it's probably Carrie Fisher in the gold that. bikini. Yes, slave Leia. slave Leia, slave Leia, and the lawyer, which Carrie Fisher many times said was the most exposing and uncomfortable costume she's ever had to wear for anyone. Wow. And Shout out ever. to Craig Fisher. Shout rest out. in power. R.I.P. So anyway, so we and get up, and um, again, like, Joni is speaking for us on our, like, 
starting now. Um, she has like a dope padded portfolio full of documents. Matt right made now. the binder. Matt, Matt made, made the, the binder. binder. Okay, she had a tenure. Yeah. Matt made the binder, but was not allowed to speak because technically he wasn't on the lease. So yes. he was just like in so the corner. So he was fuming. Yeah, so the dynamics I would say, well, I'll wait. So we get up. The judge basically asked, like, do you think that you you meaning the lawyer, I forget his name, and Joni, like, can solve this in a mediation room. His name both, was Siwen, I think. Okay. Both say yes, so we move from this large courtroom where everyone's waiting for their cases to be heard into another, like, annex off of it there mm-hmm. where there are a ton of smaller little rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, we all go into that room, um, and Louise is not allowed in the room. I'll let Joni speak to, like, the actual experience, but from... Truthfully, I don't remember it. Okay, I blacked out. so great. Yeah, so from, like, my perspective, the roles were as such. Joni was just telling it like it... Uh, she was having such an Elle Woods moment. Like, there were just multiple times where she said respectfully, but with authority, to the lawyer, if you turn to page 217 in our outline binder and look at this highlighted statement, this is where we were told X, Y, Z... The other lawyer, I will say, in his defense, was very, like, calm, very rational. Like, he mm-hmm. was easy to work with. Um, but what was hard about this whole process is that we had to relive the whole experience, like, document by document, which made... I would say that I played the role of just hype woman. So every time Joni made, like, a good point or, like, said something, I would kind of chime in with a, yeah! So, now that we've set the scene, lights, camera, courtroom drama action! And then the other the other key thing that happened was at some point there was when we there was a discrepancy about the documentation of the repairs yeah. that had happened in the house. Her handyman Martin Martin was Hispanic. Yes. Which is significant because Louise at one point says said, "Well, Martin is Hispanic, so he can't read." Yes. <laughs> Which we really well, she highlighted. She either said that previously or in writing. And so I what, think she said it in writing, and we highlighted that to her lawyer, who was the award-winning lawyer for minority groups in Philadelphia the previous yeah. year. We're like, so you said that because he was Hispanic, Martin could not read. We have met Martin, and he was completely capable of not only reading, but all of the tasks we, yes. that you described here. Yes. Um, Taylor, I would say, was really impacted by the fact that we were go- both Louise being there and going through all this documentation again and reliving it, that he was just, like, fuming in a corner and, like, had to excuse himself a couple of times because mm-hmm. he was going to, like, combust. And then Matt, poor soul, like, was sitting there trying to be supportive but, like, Couldn't could speak. not say a word because he was not on the lease and because, and also... Louise she kept telling kept him to shut up because he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, that's what went down. So then, so I don't remember any of that because I guess I was in my alter ego litigation mode. Woods, comma, L. Woods, comma, L. But then I do remember the tide turning when we pointed out that she basically said Martin couldn't read because he was Hispanic. And I remember, I think it's C1 is the name of the lawyer whose last name was Law, which was confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, just... Spewing out people's personal information left and right. Oh, sorry, I sorry. fully intend to be sued from this podcast. <laughs> he was great. Um, shout outs to him. Yeah. Shout out to him. But when Maybe you, I'll hire Joni. <laughs> His last when, name has been taken out. But when you get emails, but when you from, get emails from Law Esquire, you're like, is this fucking real? But, um. See <laughs> when Law. At Law. Wait, so. At Law.com. That's like, like blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. So he basically, like, I could tell he was like, oh, this bitch is crazy. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. So we ended up, somehow, we ended up 
on the following agreement, which was that we would terminate the lease. Mm-hmm. We didn't get... No, actually, we, we thought we were going to lose our security deposit, but we had put in writing and we got from this agreement that it was going to be evaluated based on an inspection of the apartment. Right. So we kind of knew, like, well, God, she's not going to give any Right, so what we said is, like, the post-move, we would terminate the, like, at least we terminated, we would move out. We'd all moved out by that point. Yeah. We would move out, and she would, do, like, the post-move out, and any damages, like, the, we would be responsible for no more monetarily, no more damages than the security deposit. So the most she could take from us was all of the security deposit. Yes. And the other thing we said, this is what I just fucking love, is that we said, like, any repairs needed to be done based on our occupancy, like any post-move-out repairs, needed to be, like, sent to us on certified letterhead of the contractor. Mm-hmm. You heard the ladies. This case is closed. Finito. Finished. The terms have been set and our heroes are free, free at last. This might feel like a somewhat underwhelming resolution to this whole mess, but let us not forget how far we've come. From the dirty rugs, the unfixed repairs, the broken washing machine, to the fake parking spot, these girlies have been on an emotional roller coaster, and it feels good to be done with it all. Finally. But this saga isn't quite over yet. We'll bask in the afterglow of their success after the break. This podcast is brought to you by Maersk, headquartered in New Jersey. You've probably seen our cartons if you take Amtrak from anywhere to anywhere because you have to go through Newark, which is a trash heap. You know what? I've stayed quiet until now on these Maersk ads, but Newark really is a trash heap. That's the first thing this Maersk lady has said that I actually agree with. I just want everyone to know that David Pays My Rent does not necessarily agree with the views of our advertisers, specifically these Maersk people. They need to chill out. Okay, so you've just successfully proven that due to the ammonia thyglocalate in the defendant's hair... What? Oh, I'm getting a nod from my producer that that's the wrong court scene. My bad. (laughs) Okay, so you've just made it out of small claims court with a mildly favorable verdict after six months of living in a veritable hell trap. How would you celebrate? We left the courtroom feeling victorious. Julie and I went and got a taco. Yeah. And then, so fast forward, I guess, a month later, because she had a month per our agreement to send. So she sent us a list of things, which, surprise, surprise, were more than our security deposit. Yep. Just out of spite, to be clear. So we did not get our security deposit back, but at this point, that was fine. Yeah. And the, clearly the repairs had been done by Martin, who's just like a one-off guy. And so Louise had drawn a letterhead on a piece of paper that just said Martin in, like, big (laughs) bubble letters with, like, a swoosh underneath. And then we just, like, a a hand, a handwritten list of, like, shit apparently we had messed up. (sighs) I hate to say it, but we should have all seen that one coming. But thank God this whole ordeal is over. And my dear renters, Joni and Julia are not the only people who get to have a little fun at the end of this. But if you are currently eating tacos, you are having just as much fun as they are. I'm going to reward all of you for your time with an enduring image of Louise that you'll enjoy just as much as we did. The image that's burned in my <laughs> Finally, I've been waiting burned to get in to my head. Is when oh God. we 
So one of the repairs that also had been stalled, and I think she just, like, had stopped, decided that she no longer wanted to do, was taking out, redoing, in quotes, the front steps. So, like, the, it wasn't a lot, but, like, the four... Three little steps. Three little steps that went up to the front door. So we could exit from the back door, but these three little steps that she had removed and had plans to, like, redo them, but that obviously wasn't happening, especially, like, after we got into this whole, like, war with her that, like, stopped. So at some point she came over. I thought it was when we were walk- doing the walkthrough, but it must have been before when she was coming to, like... Like it must have. I think it was like mid escalation. Yeah, and she was like investigating all this, like the the complaints that we had, and how wanted to like really like you know say that they were not real. So she came over, and we were all there because at that point we had also been like, okay, whenever Louise is there, we need to like support each other and like yeah. all be there. No one wanted like, to take her on alone. No one wanted to take her on alone. So we were all there. Louise slinks on over. That's not even the right term, but you know she what I mean. The she jabs right us right in. She comes from her little j- hut and like <laughs> comes over. Hut, comma, job of all, The door is open. We're all like Ajar. standing inside the apartment, <laughs> looking down onto our pa- onto the court, and there's this drop off of about three feet because the steps are removed. And Louise, who is very old, like must be at least like seventy. Oh, but she definitely wasn't as old as she looked. Or no, she was like she definitely was like she looked secretly really like sixty five, but looked like she was a yeah. hundred. Has cane that I think is probably fake, and she like was coming over. We're all just watching her struggle as she tries to get into the house. <laughs> arm over arm. And she literally, like, slings, like, throws her cane inside. It, like, slides across the living room. No one touches it. No one moves. The four of us just watch her struggle. She comes in, like, army crawls, like, grunting, like, rawr, like, hoisting herself up and over these three feet into the living room. Just, like, we're seeing all of her, like, fabrics of her many clothes that's, like, jobbing around just like no one helped her get up and I'm sorry but I have no regrets about that none you know what no regrets Julia honestly I probably would have done the same thing and my fair renter I bet you would have too just take a good hard look in the mirror and think about it (sighs) all right take a deep breath we've made it to the end we still have a little bit to discuss but we've got one final word from our sponsor before we can get to it. This podcast is brought to you by Maersk, sponsor of Disney's The Boxcar Children in theaters this September. If you think these two episodes have been a roller coaster, then you can only imagine what it must have been like to actually live through all of this. It didn't even happen to me, and I felt exhausted by the girly transit of property. But with the passage of time comes the opportunity to move on and reflect. And move on and reflect, our Randolph courtesans did. Scum of the earth. Scum of the earth. And honestly, the real scum of the earth is George George Dorr because he had a choice. Amen, Joni. Now, I know this story has gone on for a while now. And I don't want my devoted renters to feel as though this story has nothing to do with them. So I made sure to capture Joni and Julia's final thoughts on the matter. Thank you guys so much for sharing that story. Thanks for giving I us think the safe space. It will be a really good learning experience for a lot of my listeners, my <laughs> devoted followers. Yeah, <laughs> devoted followers of this podcast, aka like aka us. What are we, maybe quickly? We should summarize some of our takeaways. Yeah, I was going to say, what did you guys learn? One, everyone who lives in your apartment should be on the lease. 
Yeah. Two. Read the lease. Read the lease. Closely. Like, Closely. we read it, but, like, read it as, like, I never have really, like, line by line read a lease, and yeah. I would recommend that. And compare it to, like, a standard issue yes. lease. Yes. And then I think the other thing was um, one month security <laughs> deposit. If they're asking for more, that's like sketchy. fishy. Get some sort of proof that, like, the person showing you, like, your broker or their agent or whatever, like, meet your landlord yeah. or the management company or, like, meet the actual person who, like, is, like, the end of the line yeah. accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and Google them a little bit. Google your landlord. Yeah, LexisNexis. LexisNexis. Um, also, would you say maybe documentation? Yeah. Yes. Paper trail. Paper, paper trail is your trail. friend. Don't use a typewriter. Don't use a typewriter. <laughs> That would be a lesson for Louise. For all of you out there using typewriters, well, you gosh darn hipsters in Brooklyn. Yeah, and throw out honestly, your for all of you who think read something and say this is too good to be true, it is. It probably is. Are all these very basic ass real estate tips? Yes. But we as millennials need to start. Yeah. Being but you never think it's going to happen to you until it does. Until it does. You never think it's going to happen to you. Until it does. Wise words, ladies. As much as I would love to sit here and try to extract the meaning of life from this two-episode anecdote, I don't really think that I can. The reality is, so long as you are living in someone else's home, you can never be fully in control. And that is the cross that we renters must bear. But if you're smart and willing to get a little dirty, you can eke out a victory over even the most wretched villains. Jabba the Hutt and Roz included. So you heard the girlies. Read your lease before you sign it. Google your landlord and say it with me. Never trust someone named George. For David Pays My Rent, I'm Nancy, David's sister-in-law. This podcast is brought to you by Maersk. You can't ship anything small. Although I think they might want to rethink their sponsorship after listening to this episode. So... We are now at the end of episode three of four of this podcast journey, and I am so close to getting my rent paid, so please stick around for our fourth and final episode. I can practically smell the ink drying on David's check. See you around. It's Nancy, ooh you got the Nancy out with your favorite host, she's the one with the greatest most, oh, it's Nancy.